0: Welcome to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open it up. Um, Here's what I want to encourage you to do over this series. This is one of those series that you need to take notes, okay? This is not a preaching series. This is a teaching series. And so I like to pause every once in a while and just teach. And so that's what I'm going to try to do over the next uh, few weeks. And we'll have some guest speakers coming in and out. And uh, so we'll get a good mix. Um, but the theme scripture for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12. And I just want to give credit to the, the, to the idea of the series. There's an author by the name of John Maxwell. He's kind of a leadership uh, guru. Uh, but many of you guys may not know, leadership is actually just what, he, the way he's kind of disguised himself. He's really a pastor at heart. And he started off as a pastor. He wrote a book called Running with the Giants. And so I read that and I heard, heard this idea and I was like, Oh my gosh, mind blown. And so we didn't want to copyright it, but, uh, you know, or just steal it. So we just changed it. A great cloud of witnesses. But if you want to dig into a bunch of characters in Hebrews 12, go read his book. But a theme verse right here, therefore, therefore, meaning uh, it's a continuation of what happened in chapter 11. If you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it's what we describe as this hall of faith. Um, the men and women that have gone before us that have just made huge differences. And the Bible says that these men and women, therefore, since we are surrounded by them, which there's such a great cloud of witnesses, witnesses, men and women that have gone before us, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I love this because it gives us this picture and idea that there are men and women of the faith that have gone before us that are literally championing us on. Yeah. Yeah. They're up in heaven, and I don't think they have pom-poms, but that's the mental image that I get. Like, they are cheerleaders in heaven championing you. They are a cloud of witnesses, and I bet you if we could hear them screaming, they would probably be saying, you can do it, you got this, we're in your corner, God is for you. And the Bible says we're surrounded by this great cloud Of witnesses. And so, therefore, let us throw off the things that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run this race with perseverance. Perseverance, a race that is marked out for us. All of us, the Bible would say, is running a race. And the race is called life. It is the race of life and it is full of moments, right? Some of them are really good and some of them are really tough, but all the moments matter and all the moments are are building into your life. And so we're running this race and it says, let us run the race with perseverance. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to just imagine that one of these, you know, great men and women of the faith have come down from heaven and decided to run the race with us. And if they did, I wonder what they would say. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna dig into different characters, many of which we find in Hebrews chapter 11 where it describes these people that by faith went before us and did extraordinary things. You know, one of the best ways to get to know somebody, uh, the phrase goes, is to kind of walk a mile in their shoes. And so I want you to imagine as we open up these characters, what it would look like to walk a mile in their shoes, to experience their life, to see what they went through, and then to pull out some lessons, some lessons from their life in spite of some of the the hardships that they had to walk through. See, everybody in life walks through hardships. Everybody walks through difficult situations. Have you ever been through a difficult situation? If you have, just raise your hand all across this room. Come on. Exactly. If the person wasn't raising their hand, you really need to be in church today because you're a liar. And no, I'm just, I'm just, ah, just joking. I'm just joking. i just joking. But seriously, we've all been through issues, right? We've all had really hard things. And so the Bible says, let us run this race with perseverance. I think about that word perseverance and I don't like it because you know what the word perseverance means? Oh, patience. Oh, man. And so right out of the bat, I thought, let's just take a phrase out of this scripture, and let's talk about some men and women that have gone before us that had to live a life with patience. One of the most difficult things I'm teaching my five-year-old right now is patience. But as, as hard as it was when we were five, I don't think it gets any easier when we're 35 or 45 or 55 We live in a world where it's hard to be patient. In fact, with modern technology, like the iPhone and the iPad and the cloud and all of that, we can have everything we want when we want it instantaneously, and the faster we can get it, the better it is. And so patience is a virtue, and it is something that all of us, uh, I think, could get a little bit better at. We could all be a little better at just waiting. And so uh, I want to answer this question today, or here's what I think today's sermon is for. It's for the people that have ever went through moments where maybe just understanding God or waiting on God was overwhelming. And so if you're in here today and you're walking through a moment where understanding God's timing or God's promises, or you're just like, you feel like you're waiting on Him and that understanding and waiting has become overwhelming, today's message is for you. And I wanna look at the life of Abraham and Sarah. And so we're gonna go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we're gonna pick up in Genesis chapter 15 and look at their story. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It says, do not be afraid, Abram, for I'm your shield and I am your great reward. Next verse, please. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, or Abram said, Sovereign Lord, uh, what, what can you give me since I remain childless? In fact, maybe you're in here today, and this is how you feel. You remain something. You're in here today, and you feel like you've just been waiting on God for a long time, and you'd fill in the blank with whatever this is. What can you give me, God, because I remain jobless? I remain single. I remain childless. I remain, you know, uh, depressed, whatever it is. This is what I remain. And it says, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so uh, in my servant's household, or, or so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him and says, this man, no, 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 no. That won't be your heir, but there will be a son that you get. A son of your own, your own flesh and blood. He will be your heir. Abraham at this time is 75 years old. I just want you to let that soak in for a minute. (laughs) I mean, I wonder if 30 was too old to have a child. 75? Said, you'll have a son. And so he took him outside and he said, Abraham or Abram, I want you to look. Look up at the sky and count the stars, and if indeed you can count them, which you can't, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. I love what God does and how he gives a glimpse of promises. And Abraham comes to him, and Abram comes to him and says, Hey, um, God, I, I'm in need. I remain XYZ, I, I'm childless. God looks at him and and says, hey, you don't got to take matters into your own hands. You don't got to fret. You're going to have a child, and it's going to be one of your own flesh and blood. And he takes him outside, and he shows him the stars. And he says, look at him. Like, if you can count them, which you can't, that's how much I'm going to bless you. So shall your offspring be. And so what I want to do today is I want to take Abram's story and I want to look at it from his wife's side. Because as we look at the the journey of of a husband and wife waiting and trusting in God, we see some very unique things play out when it comes to waiting on the Lord. In fact, here's what I want to look at today. His wife's name is Sarah. And Sarah would be a perfect example, I think, a, 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 a person that if she were to run a lap with us, if she were to come down and maybe whisper some things to us, or if we were to walk a mile in her shoes, I think she would really teach us what it looks like to trust God. Sarah would be a great example of just trusting God. So what I want to do is I want to give you, I want to give you three things to trust when it comes to God. Three things to trust, and then I want to give you a piece of encouragement that I think we can pull out of, of kind of what that trust looked like for Sarah. as She walked through her journey of a husband and wife, childless, waiting on the promises of God, to actually that promise being fulfilled. So if you're taking notes, write this down. When it comes to trusting God, I think the first thing you have to understand is sometimes we've got to trust God, even when it takes a long time. Anybody ever been there? I don't like waiting. I don't like being patient. And one of the things that I've learned with God is some of the best things in life. Some of the greatest miracles that I've experienced, while they have at times happened in a moment. Sometimes I had to wait for them. It's as if God has put me on hold. Anybody ever been there? Where you just feel like, am I just on hold? Not that... Maybe God's putting you on hold, but it just feels like you're on hold. See, to us, it feels like we're on hold to God. It's just like, no, that's my timing. That's, that's just when I'm gonna align it all for you. But there's been times in life, and I hate being on hold. I mean, the worst thing is when you call like the 800 number, and then you've gotta wait. I went to change my wife's flight uh, last week, and it was like the three-hour wait. And I was so thankful for the new callback feature and maybe you're in here today, and that's what you're, you're waiting on, God. You're waiting for the call back. You feel like you dialed up, you know, heaven, and you got a response back that says, I'll return the call in six hours, and it's hour five, and it feels like forever. And waiting on God can be such a tough, tough thing. We look at Sarai's life in Genesis 16. We kind of pick up her story, and Sarai, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children, so they were childless. But she had an Egyptian slave, the Bible says, named Hagar. And so if we go on, it says, she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. The word's like, hey, I'm, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of, of trusting. This is taking a really long time. He's kept me from having children. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go sleep with my slave. Those of you that didn't think the Bible was interesting, it is very, very interesting here. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. And so the wife, or, or, or the wife said that, and then Abram agreed to what Sarai said. And so here is Abraham and Sarah. They get the promise. Abraham is 75, and then Sarah is 10 years younger, 65. And this process plays out where, where Sarah says, here's what I need you to go do. I need you to go sleep with our servant and maybe she can bear a child for you. And so um, he takes a while, honestly, to think about it, 10 years before this takes place. Um, I think that's a smart man. Um, just in case you change your mind, I better not do this right now. And he takes, you can laugh, it's okay. That's just how I think when I read this. And so Abraham, he takes a while, 10 years go by. And, and, and here's what I think would, would happen if Sarah were to walk a mile with us today. In light of this idea of waiting on God, I think she might say this and encourage you with this. I think she might say, be careful not to get ahead of God. Be careful not to get ahead of him when he's not moving fast enough for you. Ultimately, that one decision, wow, it costs a lot. I don't have time to go through the whole story, but there would be a son that would be born. His name was Ishmael. And as you read that story, there's so much that you'll uncover that honestly is still being uncovered today because of that decision where one person said, it's taking so long that I'm just going to take matters into my own hand. And we've all been there. We've all been there where we're waiting on God, and it feels like so long that we just say, okay, God, you're not moving fast enough, so I'm going to get ahead of you, and I'm going to open the door myself. I'm going to take matters into my own hand. And I've been there, guys. I've been there where you feel like, God, you're never going to come through for me. In fact, this story is uh, very close to home today because it's kind of part of our journey. Jennifer and I, we were childless for seven years. We prayed and prayed and prayed and thought, God, would you give us a child? And I can't tell you how many times in that journey we wanted to take matters into our own hands, and we just kept feeling this pause. And I'm so thankful that we didn't, we didn't get ahead of God. Because I'll show you throughout this sermon how our journey unfolded, but it would have been so easy in a seven-year process to give up, to lose hope, or to try to take matters into our own hands and say, we're gonna force this situation. And so we waited for seven years, and here's what I've learned when it comes to waiting. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, "'The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, Maybe slow to us, but you just got to understand God's ways are higher than our ways. God's timing is just different than our timing. And the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is actually just patient. And so we serve a God that is patient. He is patient with you. He is patient in his timing. He is patient. Things will come to pass when he's ready for them to come to pass. And what I've learned is the secret of patience sometimes is just doing something else in the meantime. That while we're waiting on a patient God that's asking us to be patient, what I don't want to do is get ahead of God. What I don't want to do is move beyond God because I feel like God is going too slow. Some of the best things that I can do in the waiting. People, if you're waiting, young adult, if you're waiting, single person, if you're waiting on a spouse, the worst thing you could do is just go get ahead and settle. You've been there, right? Sometimes when it's hard to wait, we just go do what we want. It's like, you know, maybe you're, anybody ever went through a house buying process? Ah, that's like the most difficult thing in the world, right? Right especially in today's market, it is a waiting game. It's like you put an offer in, you wait. You put an offer in, you wait. You get denied, 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 denied. And then you get to the point, if you were like us, that you just feel like you need to settle. You just feel like, oh, I'm just gonna go get whatever I can get and just be done with it. But we gotta wait. So we pray for God to give us a miracle, but then we don't wait on God to give us the miracle. And so when God's not moving fast enough for us, I just want to encourage you to learn to wait patiently with a patient God. Yeah. So the Bible says this, you can actually wait this way. Just be still. In other words, when you're waiting, just just try not to go kick the door down yourself. But just be still. Go find something else to do. Get your mind off it for a second and trust God, even when it takes a long, long time, because God is patient. Sometimes He's, to us, slow in keeping His promises, while He is not slow. It sometimes seems that way, Bible says to us. And so, number one, I would say trust God, even when you feel like you've been waiting a long time, Number two, I would say trust God even when it seems like it's just ridiculous. There's no better word I could have put there because sometimes that's what it feels like. I'm waiting, it's been forever and what I feel like you're asking me to do is just, it doesn't make sense to me. It just seems kind kind of ridiculous. You've been there where you're just frustrated and you're like, God, when are you gonna do X, Y, and Z? When are you gonna come through. And look, God is not a genie in a bottle. It's not like you make a wish and then it just happens immediately. In fact, there may be things that you don't get that you ask God for. And the waiting is often what reveals the fact that that wasn't even what God had for you. And I'm not saying that 100% of the time, but there are moments where we want something and We just go take it in our hands. But if we stop and we pause long enough to wait, we might realize God didn't really even have that for me. And so Jennifer and I, we waited. And here is Sarah. She's waiting. And in our story, a lady sends us an email. And we get an email from a lady named Lucy Pritchett seven years into our journey. And she calls us up and she said, hey, God just spoke to me. He's going to give you a son, and you should name him Samuel. Well, after seven years of waiting, that seemed a little ridiculous. I had been told by so many people, God's going to bless you. God's going to do this with you. But hope deferred can make the heart sick. We almost laughed it off, in fact, in the moment. But there was something that caught us. It was really the presence of God that says, even though this seems ridiculous to you, this is what I specialize in. And so here's Sarah in Genesis 18. It says this, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So at this point, they're, uh, she is 89 years old, I think, almost 90. Again, very old. And Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind them, next verse, And Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah obviously was past the age of childbearing and Sarah laughed. (laughs) Not true. Don't you know how old I am? I don't even think this works anymore. (laughs) She laughed to herself and thought after I'm, if you don't believe me, just after I am worn out and I'm old, how can this be? How is this going to happen that I'll now have this pleasure in my life? I love God's response. The Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why is she laughing? And said, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you. At the appointed time next year, Sarah will have a son. I love that because here we find Sarah thinking, this is ridiculous. I have waited. I have waited. I have waited. And now God is saying in my old age, when I feel old and useless and worn out, that I'm going to have a son. (laughs) And God's like, are you laughing at me? Nothing is too hard for me. I just wonder if sometimes in our effort to understand a God that is so much sovereign than us, that as we're laughing at him, he's up there kind of laughing at us, saying, oh, if they only knew. I hope they can be patient. I hope they can wait. Oh, I've got something good for them. They're laughing it off right now, but if they wait, If they if they hold steadfast, if they have a little perseverance, I got a miracle for them. I I I got I got good news for them. I got a plan for them. But it comes with patience. And so we have to trust God when God seems to be taking forever. We have to trust God even when what's happening around us seems a little kind of ridiculous. And I think as, as Sarah would encourage us in one point not to take matters into our own hands and move too fast for God, she would encourage us here and say, while you're waiting, just focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening around you. Because your external circumstances, they don't seem to be painting the picture that you want. But God is doing something in you. God is increasing faith in you. God may be writing a story for you that will unfold later on that will bring, it will bring hope to someone else. See, you never know what your story, your waiting, your thing that God is doing in you might be the thing that God puts you through to comfort others later on. Didn't we read that scripture a couple weeks ago that God will take pain and the Holy Spirit will be a comforter so that you then can be a comfort to those in times that need comfort? And so what's happening in you is way more important than what's just happening around you. In fact, James says this, consider it pure joy. Our small group is in the book of James. Man, I love my small group group of men we're doing life with. If you're not in a small group, man, you should get in it. We were talking, we've been going through the book of James and James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because those things, like the things that test your faith, man, they produce perseverance. And that's what we're called to run the race with, perseverance, patience. And so it is the trials that produces Honestly, the patience that allows you to live a life of faith. And that's what these men and women that have gone before us did so well. They lived a life of faith, a life that we all admired. But along the way, they had to learn some things. And so patience, patience really is the ability It's the ability to not only wait, but I think it's also important to consider how you act while you're waiting. It's not just waiting, but it's it's how are you letting what's in you affect you while you wait? Will your waiting be a testimony to God one day where they look at you and say, how did you do that? How did you you walk through something so challenging? How did you walk through something so painful and, and just wait? And you're able to say, I don't know, it was pretty hard, but I did it with God's help. And so last one, if you're taking notes is this, it's that you would not only trust God when it seems ridiculous, but you'd also trust God even when those around you don't. So when Lucy told us we're gonna have a child and then, you know, we believed her at her word. I'm gonna tell you, not everybody around us now, our community of faith, they lifted our arms up and they were with us, but not everybody around us, I think, believed it. In fact, it's easy for people to say things like, don't get your hopes up. You ever been there trusting God? But then you have that one friend that's like, well, don't get your hopes up because because maybe he won't. And so what's so amazing is, so we waited seven years, had this word spoken over us, you're going to have a son. Not everybody understood it. And then like 11 months later, we had a son. And of course, we named him Samuel. It was a boy. And I learned so much about faith. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes God operates differently. And not everybody around me is going to get it. And so Sarah's story, she too would have a child. The Bible says in Genesis 21, Sarah says God has, go back, I'm sorry. Is that the right, oh, yeah, 21.6. God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears this will laugh with me, go on. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah Those verses were mixed up, but that's fine. We'll read it before. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Next verse. And Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God had promised him. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to him, the son Sarah bore. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I bore him a son in his old age. In verse number six, go back to that one. And it says that God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears this will laugh with me. I think that's so interesting what the Bible does here because a minute ago, Sarah was laughing at God. Yeah. Saying, <laughs> yeah. this cannot be true. Was laughing at God, and now, after waiting, she is laughing with God good. Amen. from a place of joy. Amen. So good. God will turn your sex, get, sex, skepticism yes. into to what really is a declaration of His goodness. That's right. yeah, that's right. You once laughed at me, Sarah. But now we'll laugh together that I am a God. But while it may seem that I am slow in keeping my promises, my promises are yes and amen. And so Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. Promise comes through. And I think the last thing that Sarah would say to us is this, our best efforts they can't compare to anything that God has in mind. God has so much for you. Isaiah 64, four says, since time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen a God like you who works for those who wait. Can't even imagine how good God is when you wait. See, God has a much better plan for your life than you have for yourself. You just got to be willing to wait for it. And so, in Hebrews chapter 11, right before Hebrews chapter 12, Sarah is described this way. And by faith, even Sarah, who laughed at me, who took matters into her own hands, who got ahead of me, who had a hard time waiting, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful. Who? The one that made the promise. I think if there was one overarching thing that Sarah would say today, it's this. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. So if you're waiting today, let me encourage you. Don't take it into your own hands. Wait on God. Wait on God for the job. Wait on God for the child. Wait on God for the spouse. Wait on God for the relationship issue that you've been walking through. Wait on God for that breakthrough. Wait on God for the miracle. Wait on Him. Wait on Him. Don't complicate your life by taking it all in your hands. I understand. It may take a little long, It may seem a little ridiculous. And it may be hard to understand, but God is faithful and he loves you. He's here for you. And so we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're championing us on and they got a lot to say. So I hope this series will speak to you. I hope you learned something today. I hope you'll wait. I hope you'll live a life of faith waiting on God. Would you bow your heads? If you're in here today and maybe the message for you is you're far from God, but today you're here. You felt his presence and you're ready to, you're ready to give your life to him. You're ready to say, you know what, God, I'm sorry for, how I live my life. And today I I take a 180. I confess my sins. I understand that as I confess them to you, you're faithful and just to forgive me of them. In fact, you took my sins on a cross. If you didn't know that, he took all your sin on a cross. He paid the price of death, of sin, which was death for you. So you and I didn't have to pay it so you, you could have life you could have relationship with him. And the Bible says, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will, you'll be saved. If you're in here and you would say, I don't know if heaven would be my home if I died today. I want to give you an opportunity not to raise a hand, just to raise a hand, but to raise a hand to say, God, today, I want to, I want to call on you. I want to give my life to you fully. And you want to walk out of here knowing that you'd be saved. If that's you, I just, with nobody looking around, i want to give you an opportunity to just slip up a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you raise your hand, I wanna encourage you to just, you don't have to pray this out loud, but pray this with me. God, I wanna know you. I give you all of me. I give you all of me for all of you. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the life that I've lived apart from you. Today, may I, may I be completely yours. May you give me brand new life. In Jesus' name. With your head bowed, your eyes still closed, if you're in here today and you would say that you've been waiting on God been waiting on him. I want to ask you two questions today. The first question is this, what do you think today that God is speaking to you when it comes to the waiting? And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would speak. Would you give instruction on what to do in the waiting? May you give peace in the waiting. The second question is this, and it's an application question. And the question is, what do you need to do about what God is saying to you? And I just want to pray in Jesus' name that you have the strength to go out and do it. That everything you need in your weakness, God would be made strong. Your waiting would not feel like you're waiting in vain, but in the waiting you would experience the very presence of God that with him, everything can change. In fact, let me declare this over your life today, that everything, everything is changing now. Everything is changing now. For the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. You receive it today, church. Come on, you receive today's word. Thanks for listening to the Life Point Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlu.org forward slash give or text L-C-L-O-U to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.